0: I want to I want to transition to this series we started last week. It's called "The End Game Exposed" by Jesus, and the heart of this series uh, is to look at the detailed teachings that Jesus gives us and that exist throughout Scripture that teach us and show us about the end of time, that show us the direction things will go. Uh, and I want to I want to pray really fast, and I want our hearts to be aligned in this, uh, that the Lord will teach us the truth, but that it will create passion in us, and not fear anxiety. And so, last week, you know, we started this series, and we were overwhelmed. You guys uh, uh, about got mauled to death in the foyer, uh, in between services. There was just a significant amount of excitement about the series and what God was doing. Um, and there, we got flooded with messages and questions and encouragement and just all kinds of stuff. Uh, but there were a few people who were honest and said, "Listen, I." I I felt last week so much, and it's kind of created anxiety in me and a fear in me, and to think about the, you know, the end and to think about things like this. And so, listen, I, I want to be honest with you. This world is a dark, crazy, sin-filled world. There's, there's darkness in this world. There are a significant amount of things to fear, but none of those things are greater than the God that we serve, And in fact, God says, his word says that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And so I would encourage all of us, if you feel that fear rising up or that anxiety rising up, let that be the thing that triggers you to run to God in the presence of God. Uh, And and, and that's the prayer I'm going to pray really fast as we get into the second message of the series, uh, that the Lord will speak to us and teach us and create a passion in us and not a fear. But if that fear rises up, because it's real, and I know that, let that fear drive you to the feet of Jesus and nowhere else. Amen? Amen? All right, so let's pray that prayer together. Father God. I just come before you, Lord. I'm so thankful for your word, for your teaching, God, for your spirit that is in us. I'm so thankful, Lord, that uh, all of our sins have been forgiven by your finished work on the cross, God, and that we can come fully confident uh, to you, Lord, this morning, that we can come knowing that every battle that needed to be won has already been won, God, and that there is nothing in this world that we should fear, God. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through this series and we look at these teachings and we look at the power that exists in your scripture, Lord, that your spirit would take this truth and it would create a passion in us for you and an awareness of the times that we're living in, Father. And I pray, Lord, that it would drive out any fear, God. You you did not give us a spirit of fear, Father God. You gave us a spirit greater than fear that would drive out all of our fear. And I pray, Lord, let that be done this morning, God. I pray, Lord, for everybody in this room, for everybody at home, everybody at House Church, Lord God, that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, that you would lead us, God, that you would open up our minds, Lord, to understand your scripture this morning. In your holy name, amen. amen. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go, today's gonna be a little different. I'm gonna teach this morning, and I'm gonna teach kind of quick. Um, I I did not really get to finish in the first service, and I don't expect this service to be any different. Um, the The heart of, of the message today and the heart of every message through this series is to look at the, these key events uh, and these key atmospheric thought processes that Jesus gives us in Matthew 24. Uh, and in a few of these, there's a lot of information like the one today. And so I I want to just, I want to tell you ahead of time, if you're a note taker, don't take any notes. Don't try to keep up with me this morning. Just lay it down, okay? For all the non-note takers, just say amen. I hear you. Okay. Okay. Um, and and I would deeply encourage you to listen to this message more than once or twice even, um, because I I, I want to make sure that we hit the most important parts. And if I don't finish, I will release a podcast this week um, that will finish it out. And so we're not going we're not won't be worried about that. Uh, but I I want to I want to drive this. Last week um, we we started this series on the end times. We started this series called the Endgame Game, exposed by Jesus by looking at the paradigm that Jesus gives us in Matthew 24. Uh, And and, and if you haven't listened to that message, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Um, But the heart of that answer, the heart of, of what Jesus gives us his perspective and his paradigm on the end times, he says it's going to be a series of things that's going to create an atmosphere in this world. He said there's going to be an atmosphere that's going to be created by the enemy and by the spirit of the Antichrist. And that this atmosphere is going to, there's going to be a few key things in it. It's going to be false teachers, false prophets who are going to lead many astray. Uh, There's going to be a hatred for Israel that shows up. There's going to be a hatred for Jesus followers, for Christians There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Uh, There's going to be natural disasters like earthquakes and famines and plagues and pestilence. And and, and if you combine all of Scripture, you see that kind of all across the board. Um, And that, that there's just going to be an overall intensity and difficulty. But what Jesus says, and this is the key word in here, he says, but the end is still to come. This is what he tells the disciples in Matthew 24. He says, these things, and even tells the disciples, you will experience these things in your lifetime. He says, these things are the beginning of birth pains. This atmosphere is the beginning of birth pains. And what Jesus teaches us is that this atmosphere that is created by the work of Satan uh, instantly in this moment is gonna intensify over time. Just like real birth pains, there's gonna be great seasons of massive difficulty. They're gonna kind of pan off, seasons of rest, and then it's gonna rise up again. And then the closer and closer you get to the birth, uh, it's just gonna get insanity. And if anybody's ever seen a birth that last few minutes, are just chaos and pain and screaming for everybody in the room, including me. So, but the not comparing, don't send me any emails. Uh, women have it tougher. Uh, I, I know that. Uh, shouldn't have given us the apple. Read Genesis. Your fault, not mine. Uh, just <laughs> funny joke. Just kidding. But what Jesus has really given us is that over time, things are going to so greatly intensify till right before the birth of the second coming of Christ, there's going to be this, what the Bible calls the great tribulation, where it's just insanity. The difficulty and the intensity is crazy beyond what we could truly imagine. Um, And he said, but this atmosphere begins now right after his ascension, and it goes all the way, increases to that. There are several key events and things that take place prior to the tribulation that mostly get ignored when it comes to teaching of the end times. And so I don't want to ignore these things. I want to look at these things because they're deeply powerful and they highly affect our lives. And the first one that I wanna look at today, Jesus introduces in that Matthew 24 uh, teaching. Uh, and, and I wanna remind you guys, we read this last week, but I wanna remind you what he says in Matthew 24, 10, as he's creating this atmosphere, he's talking about this atmosphere, and he says that at that time, he says there's gonna be a, a time in history, and, he, and if you read the whole scripture, he times this right before the Antichrist is revealed. And so this is something that seems to happen prior to the tribulation. Uh, And this is what he says, at that time, many will fall away and will betray and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and mislead many. So Jesus says, not only is this this false teaching, these false prophets, people falling away from the truth, going to be a part of the atmosphere the entire time, there does seem to be a season in history where there is a great falling away, or a great apostasy, as 2 Thessalonians put it, or a great rebellion within the visible church. And that event is what I wanna talk about today. That event is what I wanna look at in scripture because scripture actually gives us very distinct detail about this rebellion in the visible church, this great apostasy, and all apostasy means is that you, you no longer stand with Christ you you abandon the faith you walk away from Jesus and and I want to I want to look at this and before we get into this I just want to give a disclaimer a spiritual disclaimer what the bible teaches without doubt is that when you truly put your faith in Jesus Christ and you believe that Jesus was who he said he was, and you believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins, and that your sins have been forgiven because of the work of Jesus on the cross, the Bible teaches that if you put your faith in Christ, Jesus that immerses us or baptizes us in his Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God, Romans 8 says, testifies with our spirit that we are now sons and daughters of God, and that nothing can pluck you out of the hand of God. So I I want you to understand that, that when we talk about a rebellion or an apostasy or a falling away in the visible church, these are people who attend church and are a part of the Christian religion but have never truly put their faith in Jesus. And Jesus teaches us this, uh, teaches the disciples this through different parables. I mean, he says time and again, there will be people who, just like the weed and the tares, they will, they will coexist together in the visible church, the church that you can see with your eyes, And he warns us, he says, there'll be many people who do all kinds of things in his name, but when it comes down to it, Jesus says, I never knew you. And so what I don't want this to be is I don't want there to be an unhealthy fear creep up in the life of a believer to think that, that your salvation isn't real or isn't complete. The, the work of Jesus Christ saved you. Your faith and belief in that is all that's asked of you, and when he puts his spirit in you, you're saved, and you're saved, and you're saved. What we're talking about here is people who have not truly put their faith in Christ and have not truly adhered. There's no root that's taken place, and at some point in history, what Jesus is teaching us, what I'm about to read to you in Second Thessalonians it says that within the visible church that you see, there will come a generation, there will come a set time when a vast majority of the visible church in a very short time time span will fall away from Christ and fall away from the truth, and they will begin to to go astray from the true word of God and the true faith in Christ. And and just so you kind of know, this is something that's significantly happening right here and right now all across, specifically in our world and in our country. Uh, In my generation, in this Z generation, there's an entire movement called exvangelical uh, where they're deconstructing their faith and they're laying out the reasons why they no longer follow. Jesus, why they no longer adhere to the word of God, and why they're walking away from their faith. This is a significant movement. Uh, It's millions of people right here, right now, today. Churches are closing today faster than they ever have in the history of our country. Um, There are Almost every other nation in the world—not all of them—almost every other nation in the world that at one time were a Christian nations are are post-Christian now, uh, and so this is this is happening before our very eyes. I can't tell you that this is that moment. I can't tell you that, uh, but it—we're seeing it already take place. And I—I I, want to read to you Second Thessalonians one through four, so that we can see without doubt in Scripture that the Bible teaches us that there will be a great rebellion within the. Church church in a true great falling away. And the, and the Thessalonians received some bogus letter from a, from a false teacher who signed it from Paul. And in this letter, I just think it was a teenager pulling a funny prank. That's just I, my opinion, not in scripture, my opinion. He, he, they wrote the Thessalonians and said, basically the day of the Lord's already happened. The rapture's already taken place and you missed it. Ha ha. And signed it, Paul. Ruined their lives, Everybody began to freak out and panic. Uh, this gets back to Paul. Uh, Paul then writes this letter to the Thessalonians, calming their fears. And, and within this, we actually see some powerful truth. And it's some of the only scripture that we see that gives us some distinct time frames, which I think is, is so powerful. This is 2 Thessalonians um, chapter 2, verses one through four. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be easily disconcerted or alarmed by any spirit or message or letter seeming to be from us, alleging that the day of the Lord has already come. Let no one deceive you in any way for it will not come until the rebellion occurs. In the Greek, it's the apostasy occurs, the falling away, the defection, the revolting, the rebellion away from Christ. For it will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, is revealed. This is the Antichrist. When he's revealed, he will oppose and exalt himself above every so-called God or object of worship. So he will seat himself in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. This gives it in the same timing that Jesus gives it in Matthew 24, that there is a falling away, there's a lot of false prophets and teachers and people will rise up. They will lead many astray. Uh, many will fall away. And then uh, the Antichrist is revealed, the uh, des- the abomination of desolation. Jesus mentions after this here, it also says that this rebellion, this apostasy will occur sometime before the revealing of the Antichrist. Revelation teaches the same thing. And so what I want you to know is that, that this falling away, people falling away from the faith, falling away from Jesus, publicly just walking away from the truth Uh, in a a vast sum is something that is taught very clearly and it seems to be prior to the revealing of the antichrist and all three scriptures where this is taught and it almost paints the picture that this falling away paves the way for the antichrist to be revealed in the last days and so this could happen days before months before years before we don't know We could be experiencing the beginning of it right here and right now, but Jesus says this is a part of the atmosphere, and so what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at in Scripture because there's warning after warning after warning about in the last days and at later times, people will fall away, and it actually gives us the reasons why people will fall away, why people who will walk away from the visible church. And I want us to look at that uh, this morning. And there's a lot in this. There's a lot. But I want you to just listen and let the Spirit of God teach you his word. And I want you to see there is a pattern in each one of the things. There's five things. I'll probably only be able to get to three today. But they're, they're the three that's the most important. And I want you to see if you can pick up a pattern of connection between all of these things. The first one, five reasons the falling away happens before the tribulation. Uh people will believe, number one, people will believe the lies of deceiving spirits. So I'm gonna read this uh, warning in 1 Timothy 4, one through two. Now the spirit expressly states that in later times, some will abandon the faith to follow deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons, influenced by the hypocrisy of liars who conscience are seared with a hot iron. So they give us, this is such unique language. Nowhere else does it say the spirit expressly states. This means that the, the spirit of God in a very dramatic way, in a very clear way, expressed to the early church, expressed to Paul, expressed to the disciples that there would come a time when people would abandon the faith specifically to follow deceiving spirits, and the doctrine or the teaching of demons, which are two different things. And I want to I talk about those two things. The first one is deceiving spirits. Now, this is not false teaching. This is not a false religion. That's what a teaching of demons is or a doctrine of demons is. To follow a deceiving spirit, this is just to hear the deception or lies that come from the enemy or that come from evil spirits. Now I know that this is not something that you just sit around you know, and talk about as a family. Like I know your kid doesn't stop watching Blippi for five seconds and walks in there and says, Mom, talk to me about the deception of hell and, and, and evil spirits. That's not something that we just talk about on an everyday basis. But I want you to understand that the Bible warns us, time and time again, that there is a very, very real wickedness that exists in this world, that the, the demonic world is real, that evil spirits are real, and that they work over time to deceive us. I, I, and I want to also point this out. There's this weird kind of addiction and teaching about demons that have kind of shown up in the last 20, 30 years, and it's taken a lot of people down a really dark path outside of Scripture, I might add. But I just wanna tell you this, and I know this may upset some people, but there's not one single teaching in the Bible that says, this is how you don't get possessed by a demon. It's not in there, anywhere. This is how you don't get oppressed by a demon. It's not in there. There's not even teaching on, this is how you cast the demon out. That's not in there. And all of the dark direction that people take demonology, almost none of it's actually in Scripture. The warning that we actually receive in Scripture is to warn you of the lies, the deception, the teaching, and the doctrine, and the philosophy of demons. This is the warning that the Scripture actually gives us, to be very aware of That the way that the enemy wants to get into your life is through deception, through lies that you believe, through false teaching. If he can get you in your mind and plant a lie in your mind like a stronghold, that will dictate the direction that your life goes. He does not have to possess you. He does not have to oppress you. None of that stuff have to happens. If he can control the way you think and if he can convince you and, and paint your perspective of reality with lies that exist outside of Scripture, then that's the direction your life will go. Even in Corinthians, when Paul talks about having powerful spiritual weapons to tear down strongholds, everybody wants to get all excited about that Scripture and be like, we're tearing down strongholds of lies and blah, blah, blah. That teaching, listen, has nothing to do with the possession of demons. It has nothing to do with anything. What it literally says there, it says that these, this stronghold in your mind, it is knowledge that lifts itself up against the truth of God. The thing that I need you to understand is what we are warned about in Scripture over and over and over again is that demons in this evil, wicked, spiritual world are laying out lies, deceptions, and teachings. And that if you pick these lies, deceptions, and teachings up and you believe them and you adhere to them and you heed them, it will cause you to abandon the faith of Jesus and to walk in a different direction. That's what the Bible warns us about. And so I wanted to look at this lies of deceiving spirits. I wanted to go through just four that exist in our culture right now that are wreaking havoc in the lives of millions of people that's destroying so many churches and that is just absolutely causing division in ways that we've never seen it, uh, in, in, in a, at least in our country, when it comes to the faith and the wholeness and the unity of the church. I just want to look at four. And, I, and I, 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 there, I'm telling you right now, we're going to hit a few things and they're just going to make some people go, "Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Okay. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear the lies of the enemy. And then I want to show you the truth in scripture. And and you will see once we get through this, how damaging these things are to society, to culture, and why this is leading so many people astray from Christ. The first lie, and I think the greatest lie right now that is being given to the people that I believe originates in hell uh, from evil spirits is this. Gender is a cultural construct. Male and females aren't real. That there's no such thing as men or women. And that because of that, little boys can actually be born in the bodies of little girls, and little girls can actually be born in the bodies of little boys. And and you can come to this when you're four or five years old, and you can come to believe this, uh, and you can take hormone blockers, and you can have surgery, and you actually can become who you truly are in your mind. That there are doctors, teachers, coaches, uh, counselors, therapists, millions of people who believe this lie and it's ruining, destroying millions of people's lives and an entire generation is holding on to it. This is one of the most dominant reasons the younger Z generations walking away from Scripture and walking away from the Bible because they've been taught at such a young age that, that their non-binary exists, that there is no boy, there is no girl, that there, there's up to 127 different gender roles now, and, and that, this is, that, that biology means nothing, and all of this stuff, these are lies, from Satan himself. These are this is literally what he's talking about, following deceiving spirits. This is a lie. And I want you to hear the truth. <laughs> Genesis 1:27. Genesis 1 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. The enemy wants to do everything in his power to twist every single word that exists in Scripture. There's not one sentence in this entire book that he is not going to chase after to twist and to distort and to deceive. Because this attack, I want you to understand, if he can get you to believe that there is no male and female, then he can attack the very image of God on this earth, which is you and me. And when he gets you at the young age to start taking hormone blockers, to mess you up and go through surgery, to cut your body and destroy your body and to drive drastically alter and change the direction of your life and he can get people who are supposed to love you and care for you and, and tell you the truth when you're four, five, six, seven, eight years old my son still holds on to gnomes because he thinks they move in the middle of the night he's not old enough to make lifelong decisions about this these are deceptions from the enemy that he's using to attack God, the word of God, the image of God and literally your physical bodies, these are lies, wickedness from hell that exist and are taking over our world right here as we speak when the bible says deceiving spirits this is what they're talking about this is what the warning is i want to go to the second one there is no creator no intelligent designer everything is random all right this is listen it this you may not realize this but the belief that there is no God or is no designer of this world is really a brand new thing in terms of history. This only showed up in the last 100 to 125 years. It took thousands of years for us to become so stupid that we quit believing in God. And, and there is zero real science that paints the picture that this all happened by accident. Every ounce of real science points that there is an intelligent designer, that everything was created, uh, that everything is on purpose, uh, that, that the way that our DNA works, that we, we still don't even understand our DNA. Like it, 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 that didn't happen by accident. It's written like a book. Books don't write themselves. And in order to have a book and coherent thought, you have to have a designer. Your DNA is literally a code. It is a written language that God created. It did not create itself by accident. That did not happen. Uh, one of my greatest favorite quotes uh, is a physicist from Germany. He said, I've studied science all of my life. And he said, and I'm convinced at this point, because what science tells me, it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to believe in God that's how much science points to a creator And the reason why the enemy obviously wants to do this, if he can get in your mind at a young age, they don't have to give you any proof because there isn't any. They don't have to show you any real evidence because there isn't any. If he can get into your mind at a young age and tell you there is no God, this is all by accident, this is all random, then you start to live a hopeless existence because if there is no God, then there is no point, there is no purpose, there was nothing before us, there's nothing after us, so what the point of living? He's taking your hope away. This is the truth, though, in, in Colossians 1:16, For in him, talking about Jesus, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. If he can convince you that there is no God, he takes away your hope, and he takes away the reality of Jesus Christ in your life. That's the truth. Lie number three. Babies have no value until they are outside the womb. It's okay to murder them in the womb if it will make life easier for you. And I know that there's a big debate, you know, rape and incest. That's less than 2% of all cases. So just for the sake of this morning, we'll talk about the 98% that are not that. 98% of babies uh, that are aborted, they're aborted simply because the mother does not want to have it. All right, I I want you to understand something. I want to tell you this up front. I know that there are people in this very room. I know there's people at home that have, have had an abortion. I want you to know Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves your child. All, right? all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and all of us have sinned. Do not let the enemy creep in this moment during the, the few minutes of this message and, and bring guilt and shame and condemnation into your life. If you've put your faith in Jesus, your sins have been forgiven. You are in the love of Jesus Christ. Let what happened in the past stay in the past and follow Jesus. Okay. That said, this is a evil, destructive lie, a deception that comes from the enemy that obviously gets us to take the life of children in the womb. The lie is that they're not alive, even though you can see them breathing, even though you can feel their heartbeat, even though you can see their eyes blink, even though you can see their little fingers move, the lie, as obvious as it is a lie, is that they are not alive, they are not real, and they have no value. But I want you to hear the truth in scripture, Psalm 139, 13 through 16, for you formed my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb." I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and I know this very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days were written in your book and ordained for me before one of them came to be. Every single child is being designed by God the Father in the womb, and the day of that child are known to the father. There is only one you that will never be another you and every single child in the womb is a distinct soul and spirit that God created and that God loves and if the enemy and the deceiving spirit that can present this lie to enough people, it literally has gotten to the point to where we're killing millions upon millions of babies while they're being designed by the father in the womb of their mother. This is extremely destructive. It's way heavily on the souls of millions and millions of women. It's creating significant division in the church and people are falling away from the faith because those who believe the word of God cannot say anything else other than what I just said. So they leave and they walk away. It's a lie of the enemy. The fourth one, and this is so important. There is no absolute truth. Truth itself doesn't exist. Your feelings are your truth. You be you boo, however you feel, how whatever you think, whatever's going on in, in your emotions, that is the only truth that matters. That is the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that real. There is no truth. There is nothing else out there. There is no just distinct philosophy. There's nothing to adhere to. Whatever you think is right, you do that. You live your life that way. That's what's right. That's what's best. That's what's wise. The destruction here is significant because the truth is what scripture teaches us is that the truth of Christ is what saves us. Hearing the gospel, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because within the gospel, there is a power to save those who believe it, that there is distinct truth. And that distinct truth is what opens up your heart and mind to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I wanna read to you several scriptures so that you understand how important truth really is And why the enemy attacks it the way that he does. Uh, John 8, 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. John 4, 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. John 16, 13, the spirit of God that's in you, he's describing this. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Truth is so important because it's the thing that saves you. Truth is the thing that sets you free in this life. Truth is the thing that transforms you into the image of Christ. Truth is the thing that allows you to be in a genuine, authentic, worshipful relationship with Jesus. And and truth is the thing that the Spirit of God is doing inside of you and leading you to. If there is no absolute truth, then you miss the fullness of the gospel. This is why the enemy works overtime. And in my generation and in the Z generation, this is the number one philosophical difference between them and the older generations is they have been convinced that there is no absolute truth. There is no absolute right and wrong. That how they feel is how they feel and that that is life. And anything that that, that goes against that, then they run away. That's not right. That's not good. And it's taking a generation away from the church. These are lies of deceiving spirits. When he warns us, people will follow these things. You're seeing it right here and right now all throughout the world. The second thing though, and I wanna go quick, five reasons the falling away or the rebellion happens The first one, people will believe the lies of deceiving spirits. The second, people will heed the doctrine of demons. I'm gonna read the scripture one more time. Now, the spirit expressly states that in later times, some will abandon the faith to follow deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. So I wanna just, the teaching of demons, in the Greek, it's the doctrine of demons. These are false religions, false teachings, false philosophies that lead you any other direction than towards Jesus. I'll give you the, the most dominant one in our world right now is Islam. Uh, the birth of Islam was from a Muhammad who called himself a prophet. Uh, When Muhammad first interacted uh, with this one being, he believed that it was demons. He believed it was demonic. Uh, He was afraid of it. He did not want it. He went, this is all verifiable. You can research this. He went to his wife and he said, I think I'm being possessed by demons. Uh, And and his wife said, no, it's angels of God. You are chosen. And so he gave himself over to this. Uh, The information and the knowledge and the teaching that, that he was received from, by his own words, this demon, became what we know now as the nation of Islam. Uh, This is a a, a significantly anti-Christ, anti-Christian religion. And no matter what anybody tells you, and what I know that this is such a soft spot for so many, the uh, nation of Islam, it is a false religion. It birthed out of the teaching of absolute demons. It is a kill or convert religion. Uh, There is a hatred for Israel. There is a hatred for Jesus followers. Uh, And if you ever actually read through the Quran, uh, which I don't recommend, but if you ever actually read through the Quran and you do the research, uh, there is significant violence. There is a world takeover mentality. That is their religion. No matter what anybody else presents to you, that is their religion. It's always been their religion, and that's what it is. It's the fastest growing, and it is now the largest religion in the world, and that is a true teaching of demons, and I, I believe that beyond the shadow of a doubt. There are many other false religions, but what I want to look at, Scripture warns us of two very distinct types of teaching of demons that will genuinely and truly affect us. The first, in 1 Timothy 4.3, warns us that a teaching of demons will take you to an extreme religious state, even with, under the guise of Christianity, that they will add things to the Bible and add rules to the faith to make... Uh, following Christ almost impossible, and to remove all the good things that God wants us to enjoy. What he warns us, and I think, personally, I think this is very important. He warns us that, in verse three, that the teaching of demons would lead you to not have sex even within marriage, that sex is this deep, evil, wicked thing. I, I, I speak against that in the name of Jesus, okay? <laughs> I think it's a beautiful thing, and and I, I, I've never, ever wanna follow that teaching of demons. The reason why we're taught this, as funny as that is, the reason why we're taught this is because the teaching of demons is going to go one of two ways. It's going to go so extreme this way that it's, it's, it's hardcore, religious, impossible, added laws, added rules that ultimately the Bible teaches us wants to be, it wants to take away the good things that God has given us. The second direction it goes is the other extreme towards wickedness and towards evil. And so in, in 1 Timothy four 3, we're warned about this side. But then throughout Scripture, we're warned about this other side, specifically in Jude 1-4. And I want to read this to you. For certain men have crept in among you unnoticed, ungodly ones who were designated long ago for condemnation. They turn the grace of our Lord God into a license for immorality, and they deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So... In the Bible, there's a teaching called the teaching of the Nicolaitans. In Revelation, this shows up in Revelation 2. Jesus says that he hates the teaching of the Nicolaitans. This is the teaching, one of the dominant teaching of the Nicolaitans. It was all throughout. It was deeply affecting churches, and I think it has deeply affected churches for 2,000 years, and it's still deeply affecting the church now. It's the thought process that because we have grace and forgiveness of Christ, that we now can live in sin and do anything we want and it's okay because our sins are forgiven and Jesus paid for our sins. This is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a teaching of demons that makes it okay for you to live an active unrepentant sin and it's okay because you have grace. That is not a teaching of Jesus that is not scripture, that is not the Bible, that is not the gospel. Jude 1.4 tells you exactly what it is. It is a false teaching, a demonic teaching. If you take grace and you take the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and you use that as a license to have active sin in your life, you're heeding and following a teaching of demons. In Revelation 2, uh, this same exact teaching is presented, but it's called the teaching of the Nicolaitans. And Jesus says to one of the churches, he says, I hold this against you that you heed the teaching of the Nicolaitans. I'll give you time to repent, but if you don't, I will come with a sword in my mouth and I'll make war against you. Jesus says that to his church. Jesus reacts like that to this teaching because of how damaging it is to the life of believers. And so I want you to understand these are the things that we're facing in the church. When it says, in the later times, the Spirit expressly states people will abandon the faith and abandon the truth and abandon the Word of God to follow deceptive spirits and the teaching of demons. These are the things that the Bible actually says we will face, and we're facing them day in and day out. There's a third uh, reason, and this will be the last one I get to today, and I'll present the other two in a podcast this week. People will reject biblical teachers and the truth that goes against their sinful and foolish desires. In 2 Timothy 4, and I wanna read this to you in its entirety, verses one through four, I think this is so prevalent because of the way Paul introduces it. And he's speaking to Timothy, he's speaking to a young pastor, a young preacher. And this is what he says, I charge you in the presence of God. So Paul immediately saying, what I'm about to tell you What I'm about to teach you and what I'm about to truly teach history, I need you to understand is significant. He says, so I'm charging you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, listen, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom. So he says, in view of, and because of the coming of Christ and his kingdom on this earth, he says, I'm telling you to Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and encourage with every patient instruction. So he says, because of the coming of Christ, because the world will be judged, I charge you in the presence of God, all preachers, all teachers, always preach the word of God. Be so filled up with the word of God in season and out of season, that you're always prepared to reprove the people with the word of God, rebuke the people with the word of God when sin is in their lives and to encourage the people with the word of God with all patient instruction. He says it's so prevalent And it's so important that preachers and teachers are so filled up with the word of God and have the guts to preach the word no matter what and to sit with people and reprove them when they need it and rebuke them when they need it and to encourage them when they need it with the word of God. He says, it's so important. He says, because, verse three, the time will come at a later time. The time will come when men will not tolerate sound doctrine. But with itching ears, they will gather around themselves teachers to suit their own desires so that they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So Paul warns us multiple times throughout Scripture, so explicitly clear right here. He says, you've got to, every preacher, every teacher of the Word of God has got to be filled up with the Word of God, prepared in season and out of season to reprove, rebuke, and to encourage with the Word of God, because there will come a time in history, I believe the falling away, uh, the great rebellion, the apostasy, when people will be so overwhelmed by their sinful desires and their foolish desires that they will walk away away from anyone who teaches, preaches, reproves, rebukes, or encourages with the Word of God. If anything in the Word of God does not line up with or allow them to live out the sinful life that they want to live or do the foolish things that they want to do, they will reject the Word of God, reject the teachers, and go and find people that are teaching myths and untrue things that will allow them to live out the life that they want to live. We see this all over the church right now, all over the country, in every denomination, their entire denominations splitting off from other denominations so that they can leave those who are teaching the truth and be able to ordain and bring in people who are living in active sin and teach alternate things to Scripture uh, because they don't want to be connected. There are people who are teaching from the stage of mega churches in this country to unhitch themselves from the Word of God. That there are some, and I quote: there are some things in Scripture that were for the days of old, but no longer apply here. So unhitched from those things. And just go this direction. This is false teaching. This This is literally what he said would happen in the last days. There will be people so in love with themselves, so overwhelmed by their own sinful desires that when it comes to their sinful desires and their foolish desires compared to the word of God, they will reject, leave and walk away from anyone who teaches the word of God truly and for real. That is what we're seeing right now at this mass exodus from the church. And and I I want you to understand me and the calling that I have on my life. I will stand before Jesus one day and I will be held accountable for how I handled his word. And the command that I have is to preach the word of God and to be prepared in season and out of season to reprove you, to rebuke you, and to encourage you with the word of God. That's what I'm going to do because I, I, I don't want to offend you for offense sake, but one day I will stand before the throne of Jesus Christ and I will be held accountable for how I did that. And if you leave the church because of truth, I love you, I love you, but I'm okay with that. We have got to be a people who understand the season of history that we're living in. And it may may seem like I preach three different things right here. They're all the same thing in reality. They're all connected to what? The word of God. Why are people following deceitful spirits? And what did I use to, to call them out and to isolate them as lies? The word of God. What? What? Why, why are people heeding these doctrine of demons these teaching of demons and, and, and what gives us the truth the word of God what are people wondering from here they're, they're walking away and laying down the word of God ultimately people will follow and walk away from their faith because they never become disciples of Jesus they never become disciples of Jesus and I, I want to I read something to you really fast Matthew 28, this is the mission that Jesus gave us. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, go and make disciples. And why didn't he say, go and save everybody? Because you can't save anybody and I can't either. Jesus saves them. It's our job to make disciples. And I don't mean to offend everyone that I've ever heard talk about discipleship, but we have deeply overcomplicated the most simplest thing in scripture. Discipleship is, it might be the easiest thing to ever understand. And and I don't know how there's thousands of books written about discipleship, I don't know. Because I'm gonna give it to you right now. You can send me $10 later. I'm gonna give you right now. One page book, a disciple is a learner, that's it, that's it, ball game, a disciple is a learner, to be a disciple of Jesus is to do exactly what the disciples did, Jesus, I'm going to follow you around, I'm going to listen to the things that you say, I'm going to hear the teachings that you give, I'm going to believe and accept them, I'm going to watch the way that you live your life, Jesus, I want you to be the one to teach me about life. Jesus, I want you to be the one that teaches me about right and wrong. Jesus, I want whatever your philosophy on life is, that's what I want my philosophy on life to be. Jesus, whatever your perspective of marriage is, that's what I want my perspective to be. Jesus, I want your perspective on any and everything that you can teach me and then I wanna hear it, listen and obey it and bring it into my life. That's what a disciple is, that's it. That's it, that's all a disciple is. The reason that there will be a significant amount of people in the visible church fall away is because they never made that distinct clarity in their heart. They never truly put their faith in Jesus and and believed, Jesus, you are the Lord of lords, you are the King of kings. You died on a cross for my sins and I put my faith in you and I believe you. And because I believe you, I'm gonna listen to everything you say and I'm gonna strive to put that in my life. Uh, that's the way I wanna live my life. I I wanna live my life following you. Here's the, the cold reality. Every single person alive right now, you have picked someone or something to follow. You've picked something or someone to listen to. You've picked something or someone to tell you what life is about, to tell you how things should go, to share their perspective. And all I'm telling you this morning is that if you believe in Jesus Christ, then the only thing that needs to tell you about life is Jesus and the words of Christ in this book and adhere to this. I believe without doubt, we are seeing a massive falling away right now before our very eyes. There is so much deception out there, so much false teaching, so much mysticism, so many preachers and teachers that memorize the word but have no idea what it actually means. This is why it's so important that you have a daily relationship with this word. I cannot be your relationship with the word of God. You have to know this word. You have to hold on to this word and read this word and study this word. And the Bible promises you that if you open it up and you begin to read it, the spirit of God will teach you. In fact, in in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, John teaches us, that the only teacher you ever really need is the Holy Spirit. And I can promise you the Holy Spirit will teach you far better than I or any other preacher ever could. We have to be a people of the word. If we are not a people of the word, we will by nature become a people of mysticism and false religion. We have to have the word of God in our life. This is an end time event that I believe is already starting People in the visible church, they're walking away from the faith of Christ because they're following deceitful spirits. They're heeding the doctrine of demons and they're rejecting any true, genuine Bible teaching and Bible preachers to go live their life the way they wanna live. So I'll put before you this day, life or death, I'm begging you, choose Jesus. Choose the way of life. Amen.